Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. An animated film arises from the dead. David Zaslav, public enemy number one, and a little bit of Ted Lasso news. All that and more today on Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Breaking Geek Radio. What? What happened? What happened? I don't know. Was we supposed to point? We... <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Breaking Geek Radio, the podcast. Usually, there's like a point. I don't know what's going on. No, there's no point anymore after Jeff's no point anymore. <laughs> there is no point anymore. Welcome to the show. This is Breaking Geek. What up? We're talking about what's going on. We're talking about stuff and things. Everything that Jammer already talked about. I don't know. It's been a while a since more. we did this. And, and by a, a while. In a skosh more. In a skosh more. What, what? What's an appropriate size for a skosh? Is that a teaspoon? Is that a tablespoon? What's a skosh? Uh, that's a good question. It's just like, you know that... The thing where if you make a little bit of difference over time, mm-hmm. it is huge. It's like that equivalent. So imagine you're a spaceship launching off into space and you get just nudged a skosh off course. It's that much. I was just going to okay. say the thing, what made it so funny for me, Jonesy, was just because I can see you like watching the screen. And it was just this hilarious moment of the pause where I was like, he he forgot. He forgot he's supposed to go right after Jammer. <laughs> That's it's been what two made weeks. It so funny for me. I know. We dive right into it. I know, right? It's jump been right a while. In. Jump running. Right two feet. Two feet deep into the to the fuck up. All right. You guys ready to talk about a movie? Let's talk about it. I'm excited. This is uh this has been a movie I've been waiting for for a long time. Ever since it was first canceled. Uh I mean, let's just go ahead and dive right into it. I want to talk a little let's bit of history right first. All right. History so, of Nimona. After my Nimona. Go ahead. <laughs> So a knight is framed for a crime he didn't commit. The only person who can help him prove his innocence is Nimona, a shape-shifting teen who might also be a monster he's sworn to kill. Based on a webcomic of the same name by N.D. Stevens, Nimona is directed by Nick Bruno, Troy Quain. It stars Chloe Grace Moritz and Riz Ahmed. As of this recording, it sits as a 93 and a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes. We have an nice. accord, Jammer. I know. We, do. we, ha- we have some agreement. Not you and I, the, the people. We'll find out. We'll find out later if, yeah. what are, if we agree at all. Or if all right. This is the worst Let's go. Film ever to animate. Would you like to give so, your uh, your non spoiler thread? We moved on from toots. We're in thread territory now. No. Oh yeah, we're in threads. I love it. We're in yeah, threads. I baby. actually was thinking about that last night when I signed up on threads. I was just like, are we gonna get rid of the Mastodon thing on the podcast and just go threads? We're done. Uh, we're my moving thread on. is. We're moving at the speed of social media. I would say that this movie is a fulfilling and emotional ride with beautiful animation in spite of some minor narrative shortcomings that help that that make the world maybe feel a little bit less than realized but overall still a good one. That that's my thread even though it's a shitty thread. I'll give it as far as my rating goes, I would probably give it a B plus. Okay. 
So my thread is that it is a beautifully animated and wonderfully acted film. Nimona is fun, but predictable romp that the whole family can enjoy. So I yeah, think I'm maybe about that's the same it, B plus as well, where it's like, as far as predictability, it's like, yeah, we kind of know where it's going ish ish. I will say for the first third of the movie, I was just like, where is this going? I have no idea where this is going. What's the, what's going on? Like, what is, what are the arcs? What are the things here? And then once you're past a certain point, it's like, okay, this is where it's going, but it took me a bit. So Maybe I wouldn't agree that it's completely predictable. Well, and that's the thing. So let's jump on the spoilers because the first thing that I would say is this. Um, this is, is this a film for kids or is this for adults or is this like a Shrek? Where is this? Where is this? Where would Shrek. you put this? It's, it's funny Shrek. you say Shrek right. because literally as I was watching, this is literally Shrek kind of yeah. in terms so, of the message. I don't know that I could tell you as I sat there and watched Shrek, like this is where this is going. I, I don't know that I could say that with this from the opening. I was like, that person did it right. Oh, like, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. it was kind of like, all right. So now I'm just waiting to, to see where this is going to go. Um, like, as I'm watching, I'm like, these people are in a relationship. She's the one that did it. The, and it's just like, I'm glad that Riz Ahmed and Chloe Grace were so good together that that kind of overcame that. And it was so fun to look at because it really did remind me of arcane um yeah that just yep. popped on the screen and so those narrative things if you had told me that this was for kids i think i would be more forgiving of the predictability but yeah given that you were like it's basically like a shrek i'm like all right then fine fuck it. it the predictability is a problem for me i don't mind it too much i mean think about it this way like people go into stories they're like i want these tropes i think it's a well executed it executes well on all of its tropes there's nothing yeah. wrong with a story or a thing executing well on pre-established tropes and i think this movie does it very well um you know i really felt for nimona i really felt for the night guy whose name escapes me like i really got to like them as characters like you mentioned their dynamic yes their dynamic was really great together um and clearly that was the focus um, that was the where they put all of their energy into the point where those things that you said, yeah, this person did it, this person did it. That stuff was kind of resolved earlier than I expected it to be. And that wasn't the conflict. It had more to yeah. do with the relationships. So I think there, that was clearly it was very much just like, OK, no matter what, everything is going to revolve around the relationship between these two and their whatevers. And uh, I think that made it a satisfying watch beyond just plot yeah um i remember being mildly offended as i watched the beginning i was like oh it's very interesting to me that they have this black queen it's like i'm gonna democratize this thing right i'm gonna take the classism out of it and the white woman's like fuck you it's time for you to die bitch and i thought that that was very fascinating i think we should give a spoiler warning let's move on into spoilers i said i said we're in spoilers oh did you okay okay i I was avoiding i I was avoiding it oh no fine well, yeah, yeah, it's funny. The, yeah, how she's just like, no, 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 not today. No, no, not, not, not today. today. Too progressive. No. Director Karen's like, no, fuck that. No, old way. <laughs> um, so, I, I, yeah, I thought that that was just like kind of interesting. Makes sense. And um, so, yeah, this is. Actually, I want to see the history for at the end because I want it to be its own little. 
its own thing. Okay. So let's talk about um, spoiler details first. Before we get so in addition to the the animation, the thing that really stuck out to me that I really loved was the setting itself. So in addition to the relationship mm-hmm. between the characters, we get this really cool mashup of basically Blade Runner and Camelot. And it's like, what would have happened if they wanted to honor the past and keep all of the things that made Camelot awesome, but they still progress to the Blade Runner future. And that was basically this, um, which I, I really dug. I don't like just quickly scraping my brain. That's not something that I can recall because even if you have something like Warhammer, right. Where you have like these futuristic night Marines and you have these swords or um, uh, Warcraft, which doesn't seem as futuristic. Like it's, it's one or the other. And I thought that this did a really cool job of, of splitting the difference. Yeah, it was definitely a unique world and I was like, oh, this is fun. I haven't I hadn't seen it either cuz usually when you do go into like futuristic sci-fi, it leans heavy into the sci-fi, maybe not as much into the old stuff. This one was like just a fun mashup between the the two type of things and um very different from what I've seen. And like I said, the animation really helped a lot as you said, it kind of had that arcane feel to it. Um and not quite as stylized. Uh but still very fun to look at um what was the moment that you thought oh this movie it was something that you're interested because i went into it mostly cold i didn't even know the premise i knew the history but i didn't know the premise of it so i was like i'm not really sure what to expect literally what it was is we woke up and i was just like oh hey nimona's on there and all that i really known about it was that one teaser trailer at the beginning where it's like her drawings and stuff and i'm not sure if you saw that one it was the teaser trailer not the actual trailer so i didn't know what the plot was going to be like until I suggested this to you, I knew nothing about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm I'm not even sure I watched the trailer before I said, what about this? Because I think I sent you like three things. Like, what yeah. about any of these? Um, it was so funny. I As you sent next it to me, to I, was, I was just watching. I was like uh, past the first act when you sent that to me. <laughs> uh, so it That's was good. like perfect timing. I was just like, oh, great. Awesome. Um, so what did you, at what point did you start loving? Cause there was a specific point where I kind of like, oh, this is exactly, this is, I'm understanding what this is. And it was the moment where the girl went. Oh, when she like, changed. That was it. That was the moment where you realized, oh, I like this. Yeah. So I liked when she was going into the, um, like when she introduced herself and going into the plot of like what she could do for him as basically his hench girl, his hench woman, uh, which was fun. But when she's telling him, hey, don't freak out, don't freak out at the when she starts changing, mm-hmm. um, I liked that because that's kind of when I felt like the movie opened up a little bit and mm-hmm. and him him seeing who she was and you getting to see the comedy and kind of the, the, the real nature of what this movie was going to be about. Um, and then almost getting to see the spectrum of like, here's some childlike jokes. Here's some jokes. We're talking about the size of someone's dick. Right. Like, so, yeah, I was like, I, I think I'm into this at that point. Uh, but you said love mine, was a, uh, mine was mine was a little bit before that. I think the moment I liked was really it, the series of little mini scenes right before that, where she's about to break him out. And she's like, don't worry, I know the code. And then she just like types in the beep, code boop, and boop, says, boop, access denied. So she just breaks it instead. Yeah. And then as they're walking through him, like sneaking through and her just like knocking things over while looking really bored and just like pouring coffee on like the console and stuff. It was just the way it was done. And I was thinking to myself, why is no one here? 
And then, you know, they go to that room where all like they're all beat up. She's like, they were like that when I got here, which is like, yep. okay, that was like a perfect execution of a joke. That was fantastic. And I understood sort of the tone they were going for. Yeah, um, I like that whole sequence. It was also something else I noticed that kind of had me chuckling up until that point where she kept making these like weird random noises. So when she's pushing the buttons, she's making the noises of the buttons. And there are yeah. other little sounds that she's making that I'm just kind of like chuckling and giggling. Um, I thought she's she was definitely. I like them both like together. Makes noises because they entertain her. It's <laughs> like those types of things. Yeah, good detail. And yeah, Chloe Grace Moretz did really, really good in this. Like when I, I didn't even know she was in it until I looked up like while I was watching it. I'm like, who is that? Yeah. Who's doing that? They're like really expressive and really fun. And like yep. the the way she spoke really worked well at the very beginning when she said he's perfect and gave the smile, I'm like, Oh, that's a really good delivery of the line mixed in with the animation. And I was like, okay, that's Chloe Grace Moretz. No wonder she's great because yeah, Chloe Grace Moretz is great. Um, One of the other things that stuck out to me about that scene specifically was like, Oh, this feels very dungeons and dragons. Um, It's like, mm. we just got this scene, this escape from the castle, but I'm going to transform into a thousand different things uh, to accomplish that mission. But I, you know, it worked. It still felt unique and different enough, but it was almost the same scene you talked a bit about about the dichotomy of the adult stuff and the kid stuff do you think there was 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 the kid stuff too much at times or was the adult stuff too much at times and what specific parts were you thinking oh this is for kids versus is this for kids like what what two scenes do you think of i mean i definitely that scene in during the breakout like i said when she's falling as the well through whale through the floors she asks somebody, she's like, is it cold in here? Like, cause yeah. she can see his cock and it's like, your dick's yeah. small. And so I'm just trying to imagine the parent, like, what do they mean, mommy? When like, the cold. kids aren't going to notice that. Cause I didn't even hear it until I watched it a second. I watched this movie a second time. I didn't even hear Jeez. that line until the wow. second time. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, that was one. And then there was something else. Um. I don't think it made me think whether or not it's for kids, but it definitely felt more adult. Like when she turned into the demon boy and the voice that she was using, I was like, that could be frightening if I was like six or seven. Uh, <laughs> the way yeah. her teeth were like. <laughs> I think for me, I think though. the point where I was like, as far as the being the quote unquote adult was literally at the end. The conflict is, fuck, she's going to commit suicide. Literally oh. commit suicide. It's about no, suicide. no, no, Jammer. It's Depression. unalive herself. Unalive. Oh, You're right. That's my bad. That's I want to make sure we're monetizable here. How, how long is it before unalive becomes unmonetizable? Because it's not going to. It means the same thing. But yeah, just the fact that literally is just like I wasn't being serious. I'm just going to I'm just going to like lean my body into this giant sword and have it pierce my heart. That's pretty dark. It's metal. Um, God damn it. Before we uh, got into this, we did talk about that one character, Todd, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Who yeah, I think it's was Todd. For me, like, he was very much the kid character. Like He was the one who would like bring things down, declassify the the story with his stupid jokes. Um, what did you think of him? Was he too childish? You seemed like you really liked him. I, I was actually, no, I as just, I watched it. The no, I hated time, it. I, like, like, I hated him, but I okay. enjoyed it. He's one of those characters like, I hate you, but you're just like really fun for me to hate. Um, So like that opening scene in the beginning where he's like, hey, listen, I was really hard on you and I did this and I did that. And like, 
And Rizman's like, yeah. And he goes, oh, no, that was it. You thought I was going to keep going? Like, no, no, no. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. He's such a douche. He's awesome. Yeah, and uh, I, I love his part where he was just like where he talked where he just dis- he physically described what like an earthquake was. He's like the ground went. Oh, blah, 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 blah. I was like, what the hell just happened? So stupid. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. I don't know. I just he, I like when they can hit the balance right for this character. Like you're not really supposed to like this person, right? And right. but they did they did well with that. So um, did you ever see Wolfwalkers? Yeah. A lot of, especially when we get to like the flashback scene, it reminded mm-hmm. me of the relationship between the two mains in that. And I was like, oh, okay. And that's really, I, I felt like I have a hard time saying that Wolf Walkers was for adults or for children. I felt like it could go either way, but it wasn't because the yeah. jokes were raunchy. It just felt like a more mature story. Like my daughter, when she as... was five or six, just watched it twice. It, I mean, uh, not Mona, Wolfwalkers. Yeah. I will say Wolfwalkers is more artist, artsy. Yep. It's not as fun to watch. No. <laughs> it's just, it's pretty, but it's not as fun to watch. It's it's more of a, for lack of a better term, somber movie. Yeah. The thing that, like, it just felt like a more mature film for more mature audiences. Yeah, so. I believe I, I agree with that. I don't think it was. I don't think the heart was there as much. I, I didn't connect as much with the characters as I did in Nimona, personally. Hmm. Okay. Um, but maybe that's just my immaturity. Um, but as far as Nimona goes, the uh, what was I going to say? I forgot what I was going to say. Damn. Well, while you vamp and think about that, let me ask you a question. So at the end of this. Uh, we get a tease, right? There's this Iron Giant-esque question about, is she alive? Is she not alive? And then we find out, yeah, she's probably definitely alive in some I form mean, or fashion. Figured. Yeah, figured. Would you want to see a sequel to this? Yeah. Okay. Because they, they, I got they the talked impression... a lot about the outside world. We never got to see the outside world. Right. So I want, I yep. think there's more to go to. I got the impression. So I, I was very interested after I watch this when i found out that this was based on comic i didn't know that until we got to the end i looked it up and so the synopsis it seems like we got what the story was for the comic book so it seems like at this point they can just do whatever they want for what happens next um and it diverges pretty significantly from the comic book as well well speaking of what i did pick up the comic after the fact um, really i only read i only read the first few chapters of it there's significant differences from the get-go. Like, um, Boldheart is actually is a villain. Yeah, a quote-unquote villain and stuff. There, there Kills people. Changes. So I don't, I don't know where the story different like is going to go from there. So I just started. Um, okay. but as far as yeah, the, I guess it's a clean slate. But I know that the filmmaker is uh, not the filmmaker. The the graphic novel creator is involved in animation as well not just the animation mm-hmm. for this but like animation in general so like i'm sure if they wanted oh. like they they like i think they were involved in shira the oh, really? animation show shira and okay. if they bring them in they, they had they clearly have like the skills to know like maybe what is a good type of story to put the screen where they can go that way they can get the filmmaker i think there's definitely potential there for a collaboration of sorts to expand on it yeah okay um and speaking of which 
let's tie dive into a little bit of the history of Nimona. Nimona is a an animated film with a tumultuous history. I mean, a lot of animated films have a tumultuous history. Just look up The Emperor's New Groove, and it's crazy. But this oh, really? is different in that. Do, that. Well, do it after the show, Jonesy. Not now. I'm gonna um, forget. There is a really good. Uh, uh, God, it used to be called Toy in Galaxy. the hot box. Oh no! No, I was gonna say it used to be. It used to be called Toy Galaxy, and now it's a uh, uh, Secret Galaxy U- YouTube channel. And um, uh, Dan Larson does the uh, does the um, does the show. Anyways, he did a great video. They did a great video on Emperor's New Groove and all of the issues in production and how what you see on screen is nowhere near what that movie started out to be. So yeah, check that out if you like Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. Um, it, it originally was supposed to be closer to like the Lion King in terms of tone. The Sweatbox. Uh, the Sweatbox. That's it. That's that, that was an unreleased documentary that has been released, I think, on YouTube. You can probably find it other places where it's literally. It's See, the best kind isn't of documentary it a good thing Kyle, you looked this up, and me Jones? Because like, I said the wrong because, thing. Okay. Because Kyle and me like documentaries that are just like, here is like, we're pulling out the blood, sweat, and tears and showing it as opposed to being like, hey, this is a great director. Hey, they're such a great actor. Hey, Here's we did such show. a good job today. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah. Love it. Um. Anyways, Nimona, uh, I can't speak to on that level of how things were, but there's a lot of studio shenanigans. So it originally was a Blue Sky production. They did uh, Spy in Disguise, Spies in Disguise, the, the pigeon one with Tom Holland and Will Smith. And... Yep. Then they were purchased by Disney um, because they were part of 20th Century Studios or 20th Century Fox back then. Uh, I think Disney essentially was assessing what they had to do with. And they're like, ah, let's get rid of Blue Sky Studio and everything that you're working on, including Nimona. And after the fact, it was stated and revealed via various articles and and insiders that uh one of the reasons why they decided to can Nimona along with it was that it was too gay for them or at least for their brand um and that is kind of like a reason why they or at least a factor into why they decided not to move forward with it and then of course later on picked up by Netflix last year which actually puts into question in my head how far along were they in production because I'm really curious about it like because it looks good and it's been about a year since it was picked up like how quickly do they do the animation? And I once again, I don't know the budget of this. I don't know what production timeline it had or anything. But if you look at you know how this looks, it it doesn't necessarily look Pixar quality, but because it's so highly stylized, it doesn't need to. And I think that right. they're basically like what I'm liking about animation these days, since you know Into the Spider Verse has come out, is that it it doesn't have to be an arms race with budget anymore. It could just be like. Just do a highly stylized creative thing, kind of like how Nintendo does with their anim- their uh, visual styles. They don't compete at all with like PS5 or you know Xbox, whatever the hell they have these days. They just stylize their stuff in a way that is timeless and different and unique and stuff, so that it kind of holds up in a way. And I think that's what we're kind of starting to see things with you know into the Spider Verse. So. Did you know about any of this history, Jonesy, before I just laid it out right there? No, uh, I looked this up after the fact. So in preparation for the show, I just looked some of this stuff up and it started hitting 
my web browser. I was like, oh, did you see this? And you're like, yes. So did you know beforehand or did you find this out after the fact? This is the only reason I knew anything about this movie. Really? That's all I knew going into it was this history behind it. And as a result, um, it was it, it it gauged my interest because I remember when it was canceled and then I remember when it came back. So I was just like, I want to see the thing that was canceled and came back. That's what I want to do. And it ended up being really good. So no complaints here. I'm really curious how it would have impacted Disney's image had it been them that re- that uh, released this movie rather than uh, I don't think Netflix. It, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of people would have freaked out, but also uh, I, I wonder what it would have done to their animation slate because I know they had uh, Elemental just came out not doing great. Then um, Lightyear didn't do very well last year. I mean, they're not really hitting on all fronts. Strange Worlds bombed. Something. Strange Worlds bombed. So many different things. I wonder it would have been interesting to have this come out, like what that would have been like. Like, hey, here's this new type of thing from them that's more arcane looking. Or, you know, it's kind of interesting. Along the lines of Into the Spider Verse. I'm really curious about part of the narrative here, right? So if you look at what's happening with this film, with Nimona, there's this discussion about how Disney is very like, oh, you know, you're giving lip service to the LGBT community, like you were talking about um, the don't say gay bill in uh, Florida. And you also try to bury this movie. At the same time, though, they also had a film, Strange New Worlds, that was released. And it was yet another first Disney homosexual character um and that film flopped and so it's very yeah you're right it didn't didn't really do anything to the image at all from the message perspective that much right anything but it's very interesting to me because it almost seems like i don't want to defend disney as a corporation it seems almost like they're being treated unfairly right they had two Mm -hmm. films one of them has an outright homosexual character and no one seems to how can i phrase this this film people are upset because it seems like disney buried it for that reason there was another film with it that they released and was that in fact the issue the reason why they buried it i don't know maybe not that's a good point that's a good point because yeah we don't know the exact reasons that's just what hearsay was from the, the people working on the film um anonymous people if i'm not mistaken who talked about it and yeah that's yeah i mean i guess it proved that disney is able to have a gay character at the forefront and have it not be a huge issue but then again it flopped as well but you could also say it flopped for other reasons they buried strange world kind of that was back when chapek was in charge and he was just like animation it's for kids only we're gonna go beyond animation blah 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 fuck animation i hate animation i don't like drawing things um, and then they did almost no advertising for that movie. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting to remember around about a year ago, Netflix said that they were going to slash their animation department as an effort, not just slash, like they were cutting people, they were letting people go. Um, and so now this seems to be doing pretty well. It's, you know, 93, 93 high. I'm curious what the watch hours are the, on this are going to end up being. Hopefully good. Like I want people to see it. It's a fun movie. I think it's got good message. It's got a lot of emotion to it. Yeah, by the like the flashback with Nimona, I was just like it was very predictable, but it was also I think worked very well. Yeah, 
Yeah, I agree. I And again, I just struggled with like, who is this for? Is this for me, an adult? Then I can let the predictability go um, and just enjoy it for what it was. Because what I did like about that, especially the flashback, despite the fact that it was predictable, it was done well. Um, the silent animation style, like the no words for the most part, um, I think right up until the end, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah, it's very like, I was, as, well. as I was watching it, I was just like, oh, they're trying to out Pixar Pixar on this one, on this flashback. They're trying to pull out your heartstrings purely through visuals. Yeah, and what's the uh, what's what's the old up up? up tried to the up first you. ten minutes of up. They tried to up yeah. you. I don't think anyone says that, but you know, I, I get the sentiment. But they tried uh, to yeah, one I mean, up Disney. God damn it! God. Yes, I got it. <sighs> all right. I well, made him angry. I think that's that's all we have to say. I just like seeing animation continue to evolve. Like everyone has elemental seems to have proven no one wants the standard style of animation anymore, or at least people are getting sick of it. Um, you know of that Pixar style. It's really interesting to me for a uh, streaming service again that said that they were going to cut their budget for animation. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, Arcane, and this. Like there are things that they are putting out where I'm like, I would recommend this stuff to anybody and everybody. Like if you like anything within here, if you like sci-fi, if you like fantasy stories, if you like, um, you know, any of that, I would recommend one of these three things to you, if not all of them. So I hope that continues and that they, Me too. they, they do well picking good stuff. Well, at least we know that, you know, there's more arcane coming. I don't know about cyberpunk or the rest of it, but. I mean, uh, so what I heard anecdotally was that with cyberpunk, if they do another season, it would end up uh, different cast of characters. So okay. I was actually, well, just I, actually talking I haven't watched 2077. I watched the first two episodes and God. I forgot. I'll get back into it. I liked it. I mean, I like the studio. I really like so. the music too. The music is great. Yeah, that's all I got. All right, well, let's hop into another one of our stories for today, um, specifically revolving around public enemy number one. No, the most hated man in Hollywood. Who is it? Who is it? David Zaslav. Zaslav. Figure out an evil way to say his name. uh, You just say the name Zaslav, and that's it. Zaslav. So he has been a very controversial figure in film for as long as he's been the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, which has been what, nine months at this point? Has it been a year yet? But I don't think so, no. I'm not, I don't know necessarily. It hasn't been a year, I don't think. But he's been he's been cutting and slashing and shifting and all of the other, you know, verbs that you can think of when it comes to destructive nature, you know, HBO Max or Max as it's called now um, is having its content sort of rearranged. There's lots of issues um, with filmmakers not knowing where their shows or movies will um, ultimately land or will they stick around? Like what's going to happen? We don't know. And let's see here. So really quick, over one year it's been since April, 2022. So it's been over a year. Oh, okay. And he's been doing 
doing things in the name of making money for Warner Brothers Discovery, making them more sustainable, but at the cost, but at what cost we must ask. And that cost seems to be at the cost of creativity, at the cost of, you know, taking care of filmmakers. And there was an article that was posted on GQ. And there's a little bit of interference there, it seems like. So the article in question was how Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav became public enemy number one in Hollywood. Uh, so I'm pulling this from the Variety Report, um, and it says that this was written by... You sent by me IndieWire. IndieWire? Okay. Yeah, well, it's IndieWire. <laughs> IndieWire? All right, my bad. Hold on. My B. My B, boo. I thought I was the wrong one. Let's see here. Well, let me pull that from the IndieWire one then. You mean the one that you guys sent in the Discord, which you guys should totally join, by, by the way. Um, so, and so I don't know if you're doing the quote, but the one that I saw is the most hated man in Hollywood. I mean, there's been variations of that. The, the okay. original article, how? Because the article on GQ is how Warner Bros. Discovery CEO David Zaslav became public enemy number one in Hollywood. Um. I don't I don't know hated. Where did you see that quote? Well, so archive versions, archive versions of the original and edited versions of the article show significant changes that had effect on softening the tone. A line calling Zaslav the most hated man in Hollywood was deleted. The succession comparison was removed as the segment where Bailey, who's the original author, called the reality show that Zaslav oversaw while running Discovery Reality Slop. So essentially what you're seeing here is a shifting in the article followed by a deletion from GQ. So as Variety reported per the IndieWire article, uh, one of the individuals contacted was reportedly GQ editor-in-chief Will Welch, who was attached as a producer to film the, Chi the Great Chinese Art Heist, which is to be directed by John M. Chu, who did Crazy Rich Agents. Asians. And essentially, this seems to be a little bit of conflict of interest here, and uh, maybe an evidence of a CEO throwing his weight around too much to the point where it's pissing off everybody, you know, including anyone who likes, you know, journalism with integrity. Um, and Warner Bros. Discovery spokesperson talked bad about the reporter and said, the freelance reporter made no attempt to reach out to Warner Brothers Discovery to fact check the substance of the piece before publishing, a standard practice for any reputable news outlet. As is also standard practice, we contacted the outlet and asked the numerous inaccuracies be corrected, which as we talked about, there were changes to it. In this process of doing so, the editors ultimately decided to pull the piece. Um, so, so then GQ's... No. Sorry, so you said changes were made, but those changes were not substantive errors those were softening of the language, right? So there's a difference. Like what I, they're yeah. saying, they're saying inaccuracies and this, that, and the other. The differences that we've talked about thus far are just not necessarily painting Zaslav in a softer light, but softening the tone, not making him look like as much of a prick as he probably is based on what's happening here. Yeah. And I'm not sure what those details are specifically, but then GQ actually got a, had a spokesperson speak to Variety, and they said 
A piece published by GQ on Monday was not properly edited before going live. After revision was published, the writer of the piece asked to have their byline removed, at which point GQ decided to unpublish the piece in question. GQ regrets the editorial error that led to a story being published before it was ready. That's just, I mean, so from what I understand. <laughs> what you got, what you got, former editor-in-chief of a, of a website, what do you think? I mean, I think it's very clear that there's a connection there. He's going to be working with Warner Brothers, the editor-in-chief, and maybe he's there's... like, hey, that's a pretty nice movie over there. It'd be a shame if something were to happen to it. Yep. That's exactly how that phone call went. Hey, yeah. Boyo, you think you're going to be working with John M. Chu? Unless that fucking story goes away. Yeah. It's a, uh, I, I don't know. We, we don't know. We don't know. Let's put that out there. We don't know. We're speculating based on information that we have in front of us, but it definitely seems like a where there's smoke, there's fire situation. So here's it could thing that might be kind of fascinating about the story. Fire. <laughs> it could be what? They could be vaping. vaping. It doesn't it's still, but fire. the thing is, it's still terrible for you. Um, here's my <laughs> question. Here's what I find kind of fascinating about this. There's no accountability, right? There's no recourse for any of this. The only thing that I could see, and the GQ spokesperson was very good about what they said, right? They didn't um, libel the author of the piece. So this kind of was one of those things that will just go away, right? The news cycle will happen mm -hmm. again and, and nothing, nothing will come of this. But I do think that this is to the point that you brought up about corporates getting involved. This is pretty bad. Um, as far as journalistic integrity goes, uh, anybody that was, I don't know who's looking at GQ to be like the standard bearer for uh, news and ethics, but yeah, it's usually this strikes like me as profile not pieces. Like I think of GQ, I think of those profile, those not necessarily fluff pieces, but like kind of, yeah, <laughs> you know? Uh yeah, and, and one thing I do want to note, I'm sorry, Kyle, I'm gonna have to quote the variety article because it has a little bit more information that I want to pull from. Uh but it talks about you guys are the worst. Whoa, whoa, producer. whoa. Someone one guy. So the the Welch, the editor in chief, they talk about as a producer early on in development for movie, uh Welch would meet the criteria from Society of Professional Journalists Code of Ethics that says reporters and editors should quote unquote Avoid conflicts of interest. What the hell, Siri? Um, did you guys hear that? My my Apple Watch go off? No, okay, never nope. mind. My Apple Watch started talking to me, so I had to stop her. Um, Welch would meet the criteria from the Society of Professional Journalists Code of Ethics that say reporters and editors should, quote-unquote, avoid conflicts of interest, real or perceived, and disclose unavoidable conflicts. Furthermore, journalistic Best practices dictate that stories never just disappear and that any significant corrections be noted with full transparency. And so then what? I mean, so, because for instance, they pulled it all together, it seems clear that it's, uh, you know, not normal circumstances, meaning that, yeah, it sounds more and more like where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, I guess what I mean is, so the things that you talked about, that language is very similar to... Um, the ethical standards that I have as an attorney, right? So the um, 
the appearance of impropriety and things of that nature. The difference is, and I, this is the question I was going to ask you, is there's a recourse. There's the possibility of someone makes a charge against me like, hey, this guy did X, Y, Z because of X, Y, Z and blah, blah, blah. I could lose my bar license. What's the recourse here for Mr. GQ, if any? I, I don't see any. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, the only the, the only the recourse there would have been, who's going to sue him? Who's going to do – what's the recourse there? That's, what I'm, that's like, what I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that would have been is that if the article remained up, if Zaslav decided to take legal action, but it's gone now. It's taken down. That's been addressed. Whatever potential is there. And now who's going to – what is it? Is it going to be a freaking class action lawsuit or something against GQ? I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. Um, I just find it interesting that Welch can have that conflict of interest and then go on to produce this film and nothing means nothing. Yeah. So yeah. What else? Anything else? That's it for that. Um, let's talk a little bit about one piece. So one piece is a new series coming. Wait, I'm sorry. Hold on. Live action series coming to. Netflix, guys, we're talking a lot about Netflix these days. You know, Netflix is kind of a big hat. deal. I need my straw hat if we're going to be talking about One Piece. Oh, okay. Look at that. That's I don't cute. know a lot about One Piece, but I know there are straw hats. You've read a good amount of One Piece. You've read over 100 chapters of One Piece. You know enough. Out of a thousand. You know enough. Out of a thousand. But you know, a drop but you know in enough. The fucking bucket. Sir, yes. You know en- go ahead. You know enough. You know enough for this first season of the series which is going to cover the east blue saga and you know as somebody who is obsessed and has been obsessed with one piece since the early 2000s this makes this brings me a lot of joy on some level that it's going to be uh coming to live action um i'm not sure still where i stand with regards to the trailer i know when i first watched it i was just like oh my god this looks so bad they're wearing and nowadays down, I've watched like. it several more times. It sounds like it. That's the thing. And, and I'm up to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to have to wait before I judge it because it's so weird and jarring to watch that I'm like, there's no point in me trying to judge it now. I'm just going to have to wait on it. But um, I'm not sure if you've all seen the comments online with regards to the trailer and the series as a whole. I know one thing Kyle said to me is he was shocked at how positive the reception has been because the trailer, like I said, I was embarrassed watching the trailer initially. I was just like, oh no. And then I go on to online and everyone is just like, it looks pretty good. Wow, that doesn't look too bad. Ba-da-da-da-da. It was weird. But hey, a lot of it a lot of weird. people thought Cowboy Bebop looked good as well. So they, they, they weren't necessarily. I like as the way it looked. Positive, I think the trailer did look good, but they thought the trailer looked good, and then it didn't hit for for everyone. So we'll see how it, it goes. got boring. No one, no one except Jammer. No one. What you said? You like? Don't say it was boring. You liked it. I peered off at the end. I said that in my review that I got bored near the end. Mm, yes, I did. I don't remember. You can go this. back. You can I go don't, back. Go like back. I thought, I like the style back. quite. A, here's what I I do I'm remember. A, I'm gonna backdoor this. I liked Let's I see, liked its style, but um, even though I, I didn't feel like it, I like its style is fun and I like it, but it doesn't feel like Cowboy Bebop at all to me. Um, 
and and that is awful. Steam. And Vicious was boring. Every scene with Vicious, I was like, oh no, why? Why are we back with him? He's so boring. Um, but anyways, I think what is clear is that they are gaining public or good faith with the fans, and they've been doing a lot of moves really that prove that they're you know in, in terms of the visual style, which fans really seem to like. The cast they seem to have nailed um, with the main crew members. And most recently, there was an announcement at Anime Expo where Kyle was. He was present. He was nearby as they announced this information. And I think it's pretty cool. So it looks like the main voice acting cast for Japan for the anime will be voicing the characters in the Japanese dub of the live action series. And I think what this is, this is like a microcosm of all of the little things this the series is doing to gain favor with all of the fans. Um, so, I mean, I think that's kind of a cool thing. I, I'm sure that'll be fun. I'll definitely switch on the Japanese dub just to kind of see what that sounds like. Just like, oh, it sounds like the anime. That's kind of cool. Uh, but Jonesy, as somebody who's a little bit more on the outside, who's read a mere hundred some odd chapters of One Piece, I'm just curious, what were your Out thoughts of a thousand. of the trailer? Out of a thousand. What were your thoughts of the trailer? Uh, and about this news. It looks fine. It kind of reminded me of a live action version of uh, Full Metal Alchemist, which I don't recall being particularly good. Um, like that would like in terms of style, um, that's what it reminded me of. So I, I don't know. Could be good. Could be. I don't think <laughs> I have enough. I don't have enough uh, skin in the game to gauge how good this is but here's what i will tell you this it's kind of funny the last thing you were saying about the voice acting you reminded me of cowboy bebop in that i remember how excited i was when they were like hey we're bringing back yoko kano to do the music for cowboy bebop when you think about cowboy bebop it's impossible to think animation cast music like at some point the music is in easily in your top three things about that show and so I was super excited. So I'm thinking about what you're talking about, you know, the outreach that they're doing to fans and how excited the fans are about the voice actor and how exciting this could be. I'm like, I guess I've been I don't there. know. I guess for me, the big difference it feels is, very, like I said, it feels very first time, uh, the meme, the James Franco. Right. So like some, some James corporate Franco. entity does a thing for, yeah, he, he was James the one Franco? that said it for, is of course it was. Him? Jesus right, Christ. Right, calm down. Oh, my God. I like it's funny. I just imagine the, the, that one guy whose name I Who'd you think remember. it was? <sighs> Who was it? That guy from, like, all of those movies. He's also wow. in He also is, is from the Washington Shia series. Mutt. He played, he played the mirror. He played the mirror face. Mutt. And no, he's not Mutt. <laughs> it's... I know who you're talking about. You said holes, okay. and I just wanted to say mud. Okay, move on. Let's. I, I got nothing else to say about this. Do you have anything else to say about One Piece? I'm looking forward to the show. We'll see if it sucks. Hopefully, it doesn't. Let's move on to another. I'm going series, to wait patiently for your review. Comes. Okay, patiently waiting watch for yourself. your review. Ah, when you tell me if it's good or bad, I will. Oh, maybe I could make this for the show. We'll see. <laughs> Watch oh, all 10 episodes for the show or eight episodes. 
I feel like that should be the game, right? Like you say, this is what we're going to do for this episode of the show. And then we'll see how far you make it. Right. And so I'll come in like I will have watched three. Danny will have watched zero. Nick would be like, I couldn't find my remote. <laughs> there we go. And I would be like, I watched the whole thing and I hated it. Oh. Yeah. So. So there's that. What else? Anything else on uh, One Piece? No, nothing else on One Piece. I'm interested to see where it goes. And I think, like I said, I guess the first time thing, good faith stuff. It all just matters about how they execute the story and whether or not it looks good. It does concern me, though, considering that there's apparently $18 million budget for episode. Based on what we've seen, it doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like it, but... I mean, it's it's a stylized $18 million. It is a stylized $18 million. So that's basically a normal $5 million. <laughs> so we're done with one piece. Can't take off my straw hat. Take off your straw hat and put on yes. your mustache. I can't. You know what I have? I have my Richmond jersey, but it's in the wash. Fuck. Well, Damn. what do you got for us? As far as, you know, I know you got some Ted Lasso-ness that you want to talk about. Jammer. Jammer. I brought a clip. You I brought a clip? I always want to say that. I wouldn't always get to talk about to actors who brought clips. I'm not an actor, but I did bring a clip. So recently, I had an opportunity to sit down uh, with a lot of the cast from Ted Lasso. Um, one of them in particular was Jeremy Swift, um, who plays Leslie on the show. And what was fun was getting to ask him about uh, something that came up. So I don't know if you guys saw it, but Nick Muhammad uh, put up a... He retweeted a photograph that Apple sent out, and it was of Coach Beard and Roy Kent. And who does Nick play? Oh, my God. His name just, just jumped out of my head. Who? Who's Nick Muhammad? I don't know the names of the actors. Oh, my God. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> God damn it. You're killing me. Anyway, so he retweeted this, this photograph, and... He put a uh, a zip over the the emoji, meaning like not I can't talk about it. And so there's been a lot of speculation oh, as to whether or not. Thank you, Nate. I think that's part of it, Nick. Nate, I, my brain couldn't. Um, and so there's been speculation as to whether or not we will either get an AFC Richmond show or we we will get like an AFC Richmond women's show because that was also teased. Spoilers for Ted Lasso at the oh, end yeah. of season three. Um, and so there's that. Plus, there's also this kind of like fun. I I saw in an IGN article, people are latching on to this one thing. Uh, so the book that um, was being written about the team by Trent said, hey, really great. No notes, except change the name. It was never about me. And so people are latching onto that to say like, hey, change the name of the show and we can continue, we can move on. And so I, I brought that clip of Jeremy Swift answering the question as to whether or not there's going to be another one. Uh, a little bit, probably maybe sad news in there, um, at least as far as he's concerned or what he thinks is going to happen. But I'll leave it there. Go ahead and watch that clip. And then, yeah, there's that. Uh, Jammer, question for you. Would Given what you saw from season three, would you want to see another season of not Ted Lasso. Let's call it AFC Richmond. 
Yeah, I would. And the reason why I mentioned this to you, my review of or discussion, I didn't make a review of it, but it, when we were discussing season three, it kind of felt like they were segueing Ted out of the show pretty hard. He be, had become pretty complacent, for lack of a better word, passive, um, yeah. very not proactive in a way. It was a little frustrating, but it almost kind of felt like, man, you did everything you could do in the first two seasons. And it was just kind of like, all right, well, I did all I could. They need to take it from here type of thing. I can't do anything else. And it was a little bit frustrating, but it made it so that it felt like the show was more well-rounded with all the different full cast of characters to the point where I could see a show completely without Ted Lasso. So I feel like we already got glimpses of that in season three. And I would be down to watch for it in another in an AFC Richmond show. And I think that would be kind of poetic to be able to transition from Ted Lasso to AFC Richmond. They could just call it the Richmond way. Who knows, right? They could. They could call it the Richmond way. And then you wouldn't even necessarily have to decide, are you getting an, a men's club or a women's club? It could be the same show. This could yeah. be the show, Jerry. Jammer. This is it. Did you just call me Jerry? Was that on purpose? What the hell is that? It was. Okay. But you pointed it out, so you made the joke not work. I did. Sorry. But uh, yeah, I would be up for it. What about you? I'm really interested. I love the cast. So if you're interested, um, I I can ask Kyle to post the link to the remainder of the interview. So this is a roundtable that had uh, folks like Bumber Catch and, um, and Zorro and um, Zorro. Zorro as well as uh, Trent, Krim. And so getting to see them as, you know, just themselves interacting with each other was a lot of fun and made me want more of the show. Uh, they were a fucking riot, not gonna lie. So they were fun to chat, talk to. Uh, so there is a, a 30 minute interview. So I think this clip is probably like two minutes, but there's a 30 minute round table where uh, all those guys are just like yucking up and laughing. So, awesome. so I got to do that part of, as part of uh, the African-American Film Critics Association. So it's a lot of fun. It's a good time. So check it out. All right. All right. Well, Anything else? No. I think shut that's it down. it. Let's shut it down. Cut, shut her down. Cut the check. We haven't cut the check in a long time. We got to cut the check. I missed that. I'm just cutting the jack. Anyway, folks, if you like what you heard, do all the socials. Like, rate, comment, subscribe, share. We would definitely appreciate it. Also, LRM and the Genreverse Podcast Network have great content. But where else? LRM Online and YouTube. Um, jump on Discord and let us know. Do you want to see a Ted Lasso show? Have you seen the Mona? What did you think? Do you think was that Ted? Or Ted? <laughs> Ted Zaslav? David. <laughs> Ted Zaslav. Is he a prick? He, is he a bigger prick than David's as lab? I don't know. We'll find out. Um, but yeah, join us on the next one. What are we doing next week? Are we doing Barbie next week? Is it Barbie? That's the, Barbie the that thing? That is the ultimate question. Oh, no. Mission that is Impossible. the ultimate question. Is that next week? Oh, that is next week. When are we watching Barbie? Everybody's talking about these Oppenheimer Barbie memes. I want to get it on this. I want to see what they're watch? But, are we going to watch Oppenheimer or Barbie? Are we doing, are we doing Barbieheimer? Are we doing both? 
dude. I, you're not going to get me to watch a three-hour movie in addition to another movie. We'll pick one. All right, but the mission is next. Mission Impossible next week. Come back. We'll see you then. Asa lasagna. Don't get any on you. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.